Hello everyone, my name is Moyatu Barnikista and welcome to another episode of Tea and Pepper Soup. Today's episode, I'll be talking about something very dear to me. And this is my call with working with women and girls' rights. What I call my heart work. So I want to explore today about my work, moving to Ghana, what took me to Ghana for two years, and the risks I've taken as led by God's Holy Spirit that have really gotten me to where I am in my life and really kept me on path with what I have been called to do. So I really want to talk about how to create a purpose-driven path for your life. I think this season has really been about purpose and things like that. But this now is more so about like my experiences when it comes to 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 the path I have taken with the work that I have taken and this comes at the end of the celebrations of yesterday's which was International Women's Day which really made me kind of sit back and reflect where we are in the women's and girls rights movement in women's empowerment work and where I am and where I see things So a few days ago, I was tweeting on Twitter about a book that I've been reading by a long-term inspiration of mine, um, Bisi Adeleye Fayemi, who is the founder of the African Women's Development Fund, the co-founder, as well as a huge gender human rights activist, women's rights activist, African feminist, who somebody basically who I look up to. Right, people have their celebrities and things like that, and BC is definitely one of those celebrities for many people in the space. And you know, she's done a lot of work, she's blazed a lot of trails and written books and really contributed to this space. Um, that is kind of a new wave of African feminism in many ways. So and has really contributed to my journey in many ways as well, getting into the movement and things like that. So I really wanted to talk about like, how did I get here a decade plus later? What are the things that really drove me to do this work? What really inspired me to do the work that I do? I know a lot of my viewers really and listeners wanted to hear from me, how did I get here to doing consultancies and being able to go to different African countries and doing exactly what I envision in my heart to do, as well as the work that I um, do with girls I've done for the last seven years with Giselle, as well as my work with Women Change Africa. How did I get to doing all these things? And I want to say it's by creating a path and taking risks. So I want to talk about that. You know, one of the things I'm noticing is the women's empowerment space is changing um, in some ways for a good change because it's nice to see kind of different perspectives at the table, challenging notions of patriarchy, creating ways for women to really voice what life means for them. And it's been great. I've seen some really amazing work being done. And I've seen some work where I'm kind of like, you know, is this a facade or is it really what this person or these people or that person has been called to do? This is not 
the podcast to really like highlight those type of things. But it does make me sit back and think about my own journey um, in the women's and girls' rights space that I've been privileged to be a part of and serve to say, what really drove you to get into this work, Moyatu, into African feminism, into women's rights, into women's empowerment? Why was all of this so important to you? And honestly, I can go as far back as when I was a kid. You know, I've always had a social justice lens. I think the first thing is go back and remember what drives you and what drives what you do, right? So, you know, the things I really want to be able to really talk through is how do you really create this purpose-driven life for yourself that really aligns your purpose? Like, how do you actually live it out? And so I'm going to share how I live it out and how I started to do it. What were the steps that I took as led by the Holy Spirit? So I've always been into social justice work. I've always believed in the rights of people. As young as I was, I would ask a lot of questions as a kid. You know, why can't I, you know, go out and play football with the boys when they're playing? Why can't girls sweep at night? Why do girls, why can't girls whistle, but boys can whistle at night, you know, or things like how come there's some girls who are always in the market selling and you don't see that many boys as little as I was, I knew there was always this gender imbalance, but I just didn't know what the vocabulary of it for. I also have always been somebody who really believes in equality and making sure that people get the resources that they need. As young as I was when the war happened in Sierra Leone, it happened where my in my father's side of town is kind of where it started. And as I was saying prior to this podcast, a lot of my father's family moved in with us. And I remember creating an entire school, like a makeshift school for them. That was at a very young age, a social justice move, right? Because here I was creating an opportunity for them to grow so they didn't they didn't lag behind on their studies as refugees who had now moved into the capital city, right? And so I've always had this desire to do work that was meaningful from when I was young. Going now into kind of, I moved to the US, you all kind of know that story now. For those of you who haven't, definitely take a, a listen to some of my previous podcasts. There are bits of my story in there and I'll continue to share that in different podcasts, but kind of coming now into kind of the college space and getting really involved in like African student organizations, my kind of pan-Africanism was reawakened in a way that had never been reawakened ever in my life. You know, I was taking classes about African women's history and, you know, things that really reawakened my consciousness about where African women really sit in the world. So I'm in college and I get this internship opportunity to work with an international women's organization where I'm basically tasked to run a campaign on, you know, violence. And whilst I'm working in this environment, the environment is primarily white women. And this is typical, I would say, for a lot of international kind of women's rights spaces in America. Um, And really, in diaspora, you'll see kind of this imbalance of diversity in many ways. Um, and this is me coming to this with a criticality, but also my experience. I can't speak about what they are now. And so while I was working there, I would have to go to meetings at the UN during a specific period in the UN, which was called 
the Commission on the on the Status of Women, the CSW, right? And to be sincere, when I would go to the CSW, I would notice a few things. I would go to events that were suggested by this potential, you know, particular organization. I will attend the events and most of the events will have, you know, American, Caucasian women speaking about, you know, African women's issues or women in South America. And I always say, well, where are the women? So my first year I went, the experience was invigorating in the sense that there were so many different women, diverse women from all over the continent, from all over various continents that were coming together at this conference. But what was missing was certain spaces had women speaking on behalf of other women, right? So, you know, you know, the first thing I said was know what drives you when you're, 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 you're going along a path. And so one of the things that drives me is the importance of ensuring there is equality and that people are speaking on behalf of themselves, right? That in itself is a feminist tenet, right? That people are not being spoken for. Okay, so I go into the second year of, you know, interning at this opportunity. I end up getting an offer right at graduation from college to work with them. And I go to the second um, Commission on the Status of Women the following year. When I go this time, I'm more intentional. I start to look for spaces that African women's organizations host events for. And some of the African women who would also come to the Commission on the Status of Women were also women who were, I had met at the organization I was working for. So I would look out for their organizations, organizations like Femnet, um, organizations like Akinamawa Africa, organizations like Raising Voices in Uganda, organizations like the African Women's Development Fund, um, the USA board that I now sit on. And what I found was when I was going to those spaces, a certain part of my spirit was just like so invigorated, more invigorated than the year before. And I wanted to know more, right? So you have to know what drives you. And I started realizing the more I was around African women, the more I would hear African women's stories, it invigorated me in a way that I'd never experienced. And every time I would find myself in these spaces, I felt like I was home. So that was really big to me because that really shaped, you know what? There's something here. So I wanted more because now I knew what 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 sparked me, you know, what what drove me, what drove my passion was being around African women and really hearing um, their voices, right? And so really being around some of the women who would even come to the organization that I worked with, I got to see their perspective. And when they would talk about African women, it was completely different from when a woman who wasn't from that community would talk about African women. And that made me feel so heard and so seen. And I said, well, how do I continue this in my career? That's kind of where my consciousness was kind of awakened about who I was as an African woman, where I see myself in a movement of other African women, and even knowing that there was a movement of African women speaking um, consistently about the voices of African women and girls and our experiences at the international level, at the national levels, and at the local level. Women were doing amazing things, protesting against laws, 
writing programs, developing an entire philanthropic, the only African philanthropic organization that funded African women's rights, right? So African women were doing these amazing things and I wanted to be a part of it, right? And so the next thing I have to say is when you know what drives you, it's important to get people who can get you there. Get people on your winning team who can get you where you're trying to go. So I'm going to give you more of, you know, insight on what this looks like for me. So I'm still working at this organization. I'm starting to realize, you know what? I really want to do more. I really want to connect back to the continent. And this was something I always wanted to do after I left Sierra Leone during the war. I kind of made this vow to myself that when I had the opportunity to go back to do things, I would go. So fast forward, one day I'm called in basically by a supervisor says, you know, we our grant is running out and we got to let some people go. So I basically got the first cut. Um, I was really the only woman of color in the organization, et cetera, et cetera. So there were a lot of politics display as any organization, as any NGO. Um, but, you know, so I was let go. And so I transitioned out. And the, mean, the moment I transitioned, I was waiting for uh, my grad school admissions anyway. So it was more like a blessing than anything. I had served my time. I think I was with them for about two and a half, three years. So I transitioned out. When I transitioned out, I started to say, okay, I'm going to go to grad school and then what's next? So I entered into grad school and I continued going. Um, I maintained relationship with the org. So I continued going kind of to the events um, at the CSW. One CSW I went to, I actually met a lady who basically was like an angel God put in my, my, my space, you know, and pay attention to those signs. You know, when you're on your purpose path, God will potentially align people to help you right? And those are the people you need to align with, right? But as much as God will align people, you also have to be aware because the enemy will align people on your path as well to try to derail you or to try to distract you, right? So the way you, you counter that is by being keen to the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit and staying prayerful. So one of the women who I met when I would attend some of these African women's um, organization events when I would go to the CSW or um, there was a time I attended what was called the African Women's Caucus meeting. I met a lady who we exchanged um, phone numbers and we had lunch. We had lunch and I was at the time when I was like, you know, I really want to go back to the continent. I really like working in African women's spaces. How, what do I do? And God being so good, the first lunch date I have with this woman who basically God uses to open this door for me tells me, oh, there's this great program happening in Senegal. Um, it's for African women who are interested in African women's rights, feminism, pan-Africanism. You should totally apply. So I applied for the program. It's called the African Women's Millennium Initiative. Also, the, the program under it was called the Young Women's Leadership Institute, YOLI. So I apply at this time. I think I'm in my early 20s and I get in. At this point, I'm in my first year of grad school and I go to Senegal for the first time after almost 12 years of not being on the continent. I go back and for a whole month, I'm living in Gori Island. I meet some of the best sisters um, that to this day, I'm still really good friends with. And my whole activism is awakened. My activism is awakened in a way where I begin to learn about the issues that sisters from all across Africa 
all across the diaspora are experiencing within their specific context. I got to learn about race and what race looks like in Brazil. I got to learn about what's happening in the DRC. I got to learn about what's happening in Ghana. I got to learn about so many different things because there were so many young women's activists at the table talking about what we wanted. And again, after I left Senegal, not only did I leave with sisters, but I left with this amazing energy and I knew that this was a space I wanted to continue being in. So I continued, right? The third thing is when you're, you're following your, your path. So the first thing is know what drives you, right? The second thing is surround yourself with people who are going to help you to get on that path as, as led by God and people who really want to see you win. The, 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 the fourth thing is like go to the, the source Go to the, the source of your work, right? Go to the source. What do I mean by that? So for the longest, I wanted to go back to Africa. I was like, how am I going to do it? So I graduate graduate school. I get this amazing job opportunity because I said to myself, if I work in the U.S., my, my, my job has to be focused on immigrant communities. So I got this amazing job in New York City working with pregnant and parenting students, mostly with young girls who were mostly from kind of immigrant communities in New York City. And that opportunity really built a lot of like my structure um, with my career as far as like program implementation, program planning, program evaluation, research, right? Capacity building, trainings, things like that. And I was mentored by a supervisor who really wanted to see me win. So I grew a lot in that role, um, got promoted to director level role. And then one day I'm reading um, a book by Lema Bowie and I just say to God, it'd be so amazing to work in the work that this lady is doing, right? Remember, I, I come from a story of kind of, you know, seeing you know, the devastation of what war can do, but also how war can help you triumph and change things in your community in a way that even me, myself, sometimes I have to step out of myself to see how it, it's working in my work. But um, I remember thinking, you know, I'd love to meet this lady. One day, a colleague of mine calls me and says, this lady's coming to New York City for the um, Commission on the Status of Women again. And I go and I meet her. Um, before I meet her, I hear that her organization is actually recruiting. So I'm put in touch with somebody from her organization. The organization is based in Ghana. And this is how Ghana comes up in my story. So I get to meet her. She's in New York. This, this magazine does this interview for her. And I'm asked to sit in by this colleague of mine. And at the end of the interview, I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Oyatsu. I'm the one who sent my CV. And she said, oh. Well, when are you moving? When are you coming to Ghana? And I said, whenever you need me to, right? So going to the source of the work involves risk and being able to be open to risk. I mean, here I was in my New York City apartment, chilling, doing really well, making Boku money, like, you know, and I decided, you know what? I'm gonna, if they call me for this interview, I'm gonna move to Ghana. Now, backstory the move wasn't that easy, right? Um, I had to go through a, like two, three years of therapy before I made this move. I was also in therapy for other reasons. I had lost my father a couple of years ago and hadn't really dealt with it well. But 
you know, to be honest, therapy really helped me because I had to do a lot of crying out and unpacking things because I was so afraid of what the move meant. I don't know anybody. Where am I going? It wasn't like I was going necessarily open to just Sierra Leone. I had gone on holiday to Ghana the year before with a cousin of mine and just really loved it. And I said, you know, honestly, anywhere in the West Africa subregion, if I get a really great opportunity to work with women and women's rights and girls' rights, I would take it so long as God's hand was on it. So the reason why I knew God's hand was on it was things just kind of flowed, right? He just positioned people to help me to get to the job in Ghana. So I spoke to a colleague and they called me up for the interview. And my colleague actually connected me to a colleague who was in working for the organization. So I got a chance to really hear more about the organization, etc. Fast forward, um, I interview for the job and I get the job. I know, crazy. I get the job and I'm like, eek, what's next, <laughs> right? Because it's like, here I am, I'm working. I really enjoy this job that I'm doing, but I also know this is a very pivotal opp opportunity and decision I have to make. So I pray about it. And God says, this is what you've been praying for, right? So imagine from the time I started, right? That was probably a good seven years before I finally made it to the continent. So I take this job. I close up my apartment in New York. I sell all my stuff that I could potentially sell on Craigslist, pack up, and I move to Ghana and I get the dream job of my life at that time in my 20s. I get to work with amazing communities of like girls' rights work from Liberia to Nigeria to Sierra Leone to Ghana, doing girls' rights work, doing women political participation work. I mean, in 2012, I led a delegation of high-level African women to be elections observers during the 2012 election. I worked in rural communities in Ghana with a girls mentorship leadership program. I worked in rural communities in Liberia concerning, you know, just these amazing opportunities. And if I didn't take that step, if I didn't take the risk as ordered by God, I wouldn't have had such an amazing opportunity to really go to the source of the work, right? So when you are kind of living this purpose-driven path, you got to go to the source of the work. So even if it means like taking a cut on that salary, which is what I did, I took a huge cut on a salary and I made the jump, right? I spoke to my family. I spoke to, first I spoke to God, then I spoke to my family, then I spoke to one or two mentors, and then I, I, I took the jump, right? I think people don't really talk about the in-between like, and the therapy I had to go through and the things I had to do to really prepare myself for this jump. Um, so the next thing I want to say is uh, face when you're on this purpose-driven path and the way you get to that is face challenges and fear head on. Challenges and fear are part of a path least taken. When you're blazing trails, meaning things that people couldn't possibly do. I'm just one of those people who God has called to make bold decisions. So I'm constantly put in situations where I have to take big steps. 
And every big step I take, God honors it because it, it's something he leads me to do because of my calling upon my life, right? If I want to help to really create communities and unleash destinies for women and girls, I can't play small. I got to dream big and I got to move big, right? So, you know, when I moved to Ghana, there were a lot of challenges, languages challenge, cultural challenges, um, challenges understanding the workplace and work culture. NGO work culture is so different on the African continent. Understanding that, building relationships with my peers, those were all challenges that came with the work. And to be sincere, if I didn't have that open mind, like looking back now, that's one of the things I would say to my 20-something-year-old self is be ready for challenges and face fear head on. You will be afraid. I mean, but just know, so long as you know you're on your path, the fear becomes almost like a fuel to keep going, right? Here I was. I sold everything and I moved to Ghana. Sometimes I always, you know, God always reminds me, like, you packed up your whole apartment and moved to Ghana for two and a half years. There's nothing that you you can't do. As long as my hand is on it, you'll be all right. You know, so those are some of the things I learned. I remember even, you know, trying to understand language, languages in, in, in Ghana and, and culture and race and how that played out for my experience in Ghana. You know, there were there were times when, you know, I would be I would be with some of my um, one of my um, Australian colleagues and we would be going home from work and I would be told, you know, like. People would think I was a tour guide because I was black and she was white. Look, you know, things like that. Or like my security guard at the house treating me different from my roomie, right? Because she was a Canadian woman. He would treat me kind of slightly differently, you know. And those are all challenges within the context and also just things within the organization that I had to learn, grow, right? But even within that time, I grew so much as a person. I learned so much about myself. I became so strong in who I was. I understood how I moved in the world and how I was perceived at a very young age and how to be fearless and how to live fearlessly and how to speak my mind. And I learned all of these things because I took this jump and I moved to Ghana, right? So the next piece I want to say is be willing to learn from others, y'all. Like, you know... I really had to do a lot of unlearning when I was in Ghana and just throughout kind of my journey, right? It's been over 12 years of this work, working in women's and girls' rights. And there is never a day that I'm not learning something new, whether it's with my organization, with my team members who constantly push me to my work with Women Change Africa, to my consultancy work. You know, there was a time that, you know, I had to do a lot of learning and still do. You know, there's been times where I, you know, meet some amazing women and all I want to do is sit and learn. There was a time when I remember the first time I met some of the African uh, Sierra Leonean feminists was when I was in Sierra Leone in 2012. I met, you know, Dr. Aisha Ibrahim and Miss um, um, Yasmin Jusu Sharif, the, the human rights lawyer. These are the amazing women who I've met within the space who I probably wouldn't have met in the same in the same space if it wasn't for this jump that I made and these women have made a significant impact in my work to this day I'm still connected to them 
you know, they, they the both of them have actually come and spoken to the girls in our organization in our annual. We have this Ignite Feminist series that we've done. These are people who I've kept in touch with and have learned so much from. The same thing with some of the African women who I've met along my journey who are feminists and women's rights activists. You know, somebody like Auntie B.C. Fayemi, she's somebody who I've known for so long since I was in my 20s and just to see now sitting at a table like a board meeting table with her in AWDF USA it's like full circle right and she's seen me grow so she's able to say this is Moyatsu that was like in her 20s and eager to learn and look at where she is now and I just want to share that like you know sometimes people will see things on so social media is like the devil in many ways and it's it, it can be a blessing in many ways and when I say the devil is that you see what people are doing and you think it's just something that just happened the night before and I'm just here to tell you that it's not it's not like people work hard and if anyone is telling you they just arrived yesterday. They're not telling you the full story. And anyone who is doing deep, purposeful, risk-driven work has been doing it for ages. And it's now the results are showing up and you're seeing it and saying, how can I get there, right? So this is my how can I get there is what I'm sharing. Um, I think, you know, it's important. The other thing is like, be willing to sow seeds, be willing to sow seeds along your journey. I remember when I decided, when I came back to the US, I said, okay, I want to teach and I want to do consultancy. You know, I, and I, at that time I, Giselle was running as an organization, etc. And I said, I want to do more consultancy work. I want to be able to go to different parts of the world and like lead these workshops and be in communities with women and girls. And I prayed about it, but I had to sow a seed. So one day I was like researching, researching. I said, okay, what are some young spaces with African women that I can volunteer or do some of this work in? And I just sold the seed for an organization that um, I remember it was, I think, 2015. Um, I, I went to an African women's writers workshop. And again, that feeling of being around amazing African women it was sponsored by AWDF. There were about 200 women who applied and I think only 28 of us were selected. And being in that space just reawakened so much in me again. And it made me realize how much I still want to be connected and even being in the diaspora. So I said, what does that look like? So I remember, you know, saying to myself, you know what? I'm just going to look for organizations where I can lend my time and sow my seed. And so I looked up organizations that I remember coming across um, more of me initiative. And I reached out and they were happy to have me. And it wasn't like they paid for me to come. They paid me to do any of the work. I sold a seat. I went and I did it strictly out of my own pocket and things that friends and family could support me on. And I went. And that's how part of my consulting work really started. God saw the seed and he honored the seed. You know, so you got to be willing to take these risks. They're calculated risk and they're driven by the spirit. I don't do things just to do them, but you got to be willing to take these risks because that's how God meets you at your point of need, right? So always be willing to sow the seed when you are on your path. You know, when I went to volunteer and do the work um, with Miami, 
it was so amazing. I got to meet little sisters from all over, some of whom I still keep in touch with now. You know, um, I mentor, we talk about life. You know, they're like my baby sisters, some of them, you know, and I did workshops there. I, I did like a, a body positivity workshop. I did a storytelling workshop. And my my continuation with my work with storytelling really started with uh, WCA, but even before that, because I, I love to write, you know? So all of these pieces really start coming together the more I did, right? So you gotta be willing to sow seeds. Sometimes I think you meet a lot of young uh, millennials, and I'm not generalizing, but from what I've seen, People just want to arrive. And if you want to arrive, it doesn't happen like that. Some people will want an internship today and want results tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. Or you may be volunteering somewhere and if you feel like you're not getting out of it, you get frustrated. It doesn't work like that. You got to be willing to sow seeds for God to move. Seeds of greatness for God to really move in your life. Everything is not about what can I get. It's more so like, what can I serve? How can I serve? How can I give? I've been, I've seen people do very kind of to, um, disingenuous things to get to where they need to get in the name of women's empowerment. And I'm here to tell you if you are really about this work and that's any work, really, your heart got to be right. Like, this is why I call the work that I do heart work because I'm called to do this work. I'm called to work with women and girls. It's not like I forced myself in this work. Yes, I had to take certain steps because God had to order those steps for me to take certain jumps, certain risks, certain moves. But like I was willing to serve and my heart was right. When God sees your heart, he honors it. But if your heart is after like fame or it's after like relevance, I think social media has made people miss the point. You know, which is why I always caution these several women's empowerment platforms that exist and are doing this work. I remember when I started this work like years ago, there wasn't that many people doing this work. And it's great to see. I would say it's great to see a lot of people doing this work. My only thing is just make sure your heart is right when you're doing this work, because there are lives that are at stake that you're working on their behalf right? So it's not about that Instagram picture. It's not about like, you know, you posing with a bunch of women and saying you're doing this great work, but like their voices are not, are not in the room. Like you really got to check your intentions to make sure what you're doing is really what God has called you to do. And you're not doing it for accolades. You're not doing it for, you know, a pat on the back. My work has never been about accolades because if I told you like some of the places, I mean, in Ghana, we would take eight hours to go to the region where we would work, eight-hour drive. Some villages we were going to, you had to park the car to walk. Some villages we were going to, you would see girls walking two, three hours with benches on their head, right? Or the fact that, like, I would sacrifice and not, and, and not ask or, you know raise my own funds to do certain things because I was sowing seed is because my heart is there. I'm not thinking about money because I know the money will come. You do the work, the money will come, right? So be willing to sow a seed and be willing to understand that it is beyond you. When you start to think beyond you, that's when God moves in. But if your alignment is from a selfish perspective, it doesn't work. And with women's and girls' rights, 
people can easily sense fake from real. You know, there's a lot of spaces that I've been in, whether it's in Sierra Leone, whether it's in Ghana, whether it's in Liberia, where I align with some amazing women whose heart is really with the work. But there's also been some really problematic spaces within all of those spaces, really, where I've had experiences where it breaks my heart to see people who are really after the wrong thing, you know, and it's a blessing to be part of those spaces where people are really serving and sowing seed. You know, we always say on our team, like when we're working, like people can do so much without money. But the first thing sometimes people think about is money and what can I get? There's so much you can do to help humanity. Um, when you have the heart in the right place and God always brings the resources, you know, he always brings the resources. So it's like, when you see me, you know, speaking on a panel in Mauritius, this is like 12, 13 years of work. You know what I mean? Or when you see me like standing in front of, you know, 300 plus women leading a digital storytelling workshop to African women entrepreneurs. This is a lot of years of consistent heart work, meaning my heart been in the right place. And God is doing it. It don't got nothing to do with Moyatu because God is using me to bless others, to tell people who he is in Moyatu's life. You understand? So the last piece I want to share on this journey, which you've basically heard about, you know, throughout what I've been sharing is really like listen to the voice of God and only the voice of God. So God really called me for this work. Um, I didn't stumble into it, as I said earlier, um, and I didn't add anything to myself to come into this work, right? Yes, I got my master's um, in social entrepreneurship and things, like, but all of that are things God blessed me because he knew what I needed for this work. You understand? And I've met some amazing women, some amazing girls. I've heard some amazing stories and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade this path for nothing. And I'm still going and I'm still learning. And I'm still growing and I'm still building sisterhood relationships. There's been a lot of hurt, but there's also been a lot of healing. There's also been a lot of breakthrough. There's also been a lot of growth. There's also been a lot of like amazing relationships of women that I've met who give me hope for the African continent, you know, and I couldn't have done any of this if I didn't listen to the voice of God throughout my journey. Anytime I didn't listen to the voice of God, my journey was derailed, whether it was in relationships with people, whether it was opportunities, you know, so always listen to that voice within you. It is the voice of God. Listen to God's voice and let God lead you in your path. Listen to what God is leading. You know, one of the best people that helped me in my journey is the story of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ was the most given, compassionate, loving person that God sent on this earth for his people to really show the example of what we should do. I don't care what work, what industry you're in, you're in. The importance of service is so critical. And for me, I've learned that I can't serve if I don't listen to God, if I don't listen to the source, because then it will become self-serving, right? The OK Africa feature, nothing to do with me. I didn't put my name in a ballot somewhere. God just did it because he wanted to show people who he was in my life. You know, sometimes people ask me, well, how do you get to do all you do? Like you're doing such amazing work. And how do you do it all? How do you run an organization, um, a girl's organization 
run a consultancy um, that supports um, women's stories and, and kind of branding efforts, women entrepreneurs sit on a board, an African women's um, philanthropic board, do consultancy, teach uh, social entrepreneurship work. How do you do all of this? And I tell people this all the time. It is because of the God that I serve. It is simple. It is not complicated. It's not because of some school that I went to. It's not because of some opportunity, years of opportunity that I've got. It's because of God and the purpose and the path that he has put me on. So I hope you really took some nuggets out of this. Um, you know, I'm feeling so good that I got to share this part of my journey because I really hope it blesses somebody and I hope you enjoy listening. Once again, my name is Moyatsubanya Kista and this is Tea and Pepper Soup. Goodbye.